Torah Resource presents the Rob and Caleb Show. All aboard! And now, from two sides of the same state, here they are, Rob and Caleb. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Rob and Caleb Show. My name is Caleb Haig, and with me as always... The Hoff. <laughs> the Hoff. What up, bud? <laughs> How you doing, brother? Oh, I just... It makes me laugh. You're all giggly today. <laughs> just what we're doing makes me laugh. It gives me, I have joy. I have, I have joy. There's, uh, we've got a bunch of, bunch of people hanging on the chat room, you know, saying hi, and it's really cool. We got video this week. Which is hello awesome. world, yeah, that's awesome. Pretty happy about that. Um, I'm shutting down some stuff here, and now I just want to get back to the chat room so I can see what everybody's saying. Uh, what up in Shalom, everybody? Welcome to the Rob and Caleb Show. We're happy that you're with us. Uh, it is a beautiful Wednesday morning here. We got people in the chat room from Korea. What up, Ariel? So good to see you in the chat room. Um, and uh, so it's what two a.m. There, hang on, let me cough. 2 a.m. In, in a good old Korea where our friend Ariel is. And actually, somebody contacted me. That's this, like the other side of the world. Yeah, somebody contacted yeah, Exactly. Somebody contacted me earlier uh, this week and said that they really want to be in the chat room at some point. But they're in Brazil. And uh, it's like 5 a.m. in the morning there or something. I don't know. It was uh, Yeah, the time difference was extreme. Anyway, uh, so we're happy that everybody's tuning in with us. Uh it's always nice to start this show off and uh, to see a lot of people in the chat room. You can join our chat room. I should tell everyone real quick, uh, we got a new chat program. And so there, there's kind of a, uh, there's kind of a, a learning curve with the, with the, um, with <laughs> Rob's laughing at the chat room. There's kind of a, a learning curve with the chat room. If you want to go get to the ch- chat room, you need to go to Torah resource radio or trradio.com. Then go to the broadcast tab and then down to the Robin Caleb show. And then on that page, there's a chat icon down in the right hand corner. Click that, sign up. And then once you sign up, oh, and remember that the sign in form, you have to scroll. And then uh, once you sign up, you got to click on the little icon that says chat in between the people and the notepad. I know I went really fast through that, but yeah. Okay. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, some evil. That's basically what we're talking about. Let me get to my show notes real quick. Sorry. It might sound like we're unprepared here, and that's probably because we are. Okay, so uh, before I get started, I should tell everyone uh, that Tor- uh, that uh, the Robin Caleb Show is brought to you by TorahResource.com. Torah Resource is also uh, the company that brings you Torah Resource Radio, which is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, Messianic Radio at TRRadio.com. And our uh, our admin for uh, our well our programmer is Gary Springer, uh, staff at Tor Resource, and also our uh, chat room administrator is Mark Randall. Thank you, gentlemen, for being in the chat room with us today, and also for helping us produce this show. Uh, and a big thank you to Tor Resource in general for uh, allowing us to chat together online and to chat at you folks. Okay, so uh, find. Tor Resource Institute and TorahResource.com online. You can shop for our products and 
uh, sign up for classes as well. Okay, um, so I also wanted to talk about, uh, Ariel asked if we just wing it <laughs> today. It sounds like it, I'm sure. I'm sure it sounds like we just talk to you folks. But no, actually, there's a process to the madness. Um, and so I thought real quick we would run through kind of the process of this show. I know it might sound boring to some people, but I don't know. It might be interesting to some people. This won't take long at all if you're bored. So um, <laughs> I, I can't figure out if Rob is laughing at me or if he's laughing at the chat room. What's going on, Rob? <laughs> It's Seymour. <laughs> Dude, that guy is so funny. That guy is so he funny. Just, he just quoted Monty Python. <laughs> Earlier in the chat room, the chat room starts at... Why do you think I have this outrageous accent, you silly king? <laughs> <laughs> earlier the chat room opens an hour earlier than our show goes on and earlier uh gary was gary said in the chat room he was like you can't have a can of e- evil and then steve was like i have a can of evil <laughs> okay anyway so back to the process uh this is what we do on monday mornings every week uh rob and i have a chat via skype and we ask each other what we would like to talk about usually what we do is we go and we look at comments on our facebook page or we look at our uh, email inbox and see if anybody's suggested any good topics. Now, people have suggested many topics, and some of them are just too large of a topic to try to handle uh, without a significant amount of preparation. And since we only give ourselves... Like, like elephant? What? <laughs> it's too big of a topic. Oh. Wow. Your jokes are getting bad, <laughs> that dude. Bad. <laughs> that wow, was that was so really bad. bad. Okay. Anyway, so uh, basically, I'm 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 moving on quickly so that people can forget that joke. Um, <laughs> it's just a silly mood. I'm sorry. Um, so then, what happens is uh, basically Rob kind of forgets about whatever it is that we talked about on Monday until we start the show on Wednesday. During that time, <laughs> I am trying to prepare by going on YouTube and different uh, places to gather information. And unlike today, usually I have like a good five or six clips that we play throughout the show from YouTube or other places. Uh, That's not really what's going to happen today because I only have one clip. This is kind of an abnormal show because we uh, are talking about a a different kind of uh, topic. So, and then, yeah, uh, there's a lot of things that actually have to go into producing the show, which is things like recording it. I record it in two different ways, one on Skype, one just in a music program on my computer. We have the chat room going, which, uh, you know, and then we actually broadcast live. So all that has to be factored in and done uh, right at 10, 10 a.m. our time uh, on the West Coast. So Rob and I, we never, t- that, that's the one thing people might not get. Uh, we never talk about our topic beforehand except for to decide on a topic. And so I don't know what Rob has prepared, if he's prepared anything. He doesn't know what I've prepared, if I've prepared anything. Um, (laughs) We don't know. uh, Verses that uh, we're going to bring up. He doesn't look at my show notes that I send out to everyone beforehand. Uh, If he has a clip that he wants us to play during the show, then uh, he uploads it, and I just put it into a file and wait for him to tell me to play it during the show. So uh, that's where the spontaneity comes in. I have no clue what Rob uh, is going to talk about except for a just general topic. And that's our process. That's how we do it. Uh, Yeah. You can Google it. Okay, so... uh, 
the other thing, before we get started, I wanted to ask everyone in the chat room as well as Rob, I want to ask you this. Now, I've heard this from a lot of people. I've heard this from a lot of different, uh, like, I don't know, Christian ministries and whatnot. People will say something like, oh, that's a good word. Like, if a pastor says something, like, gives a good, a good, like, sermon or whatnot, they'll be like, oh, that was a good word. Or they'll say, like, you'll see the TV evangelist, they'll say, God has given me a word for you. Or I'm getting a word for you. What in the world is that? I don't get it. Maybe I wasn't raised in the right denomination. Help me out, Rob. It's like a word is like when somebody <laughs> hears you. <laughs> you are in a weird mood today. No, like like if you like you're talking to somebody and they're like down, and then like you you give them a word of scripture well, or something. But and I mean, are people with their heart? I mean, are people thinking that like but they're like thanks for that word, man? Is it a specific? They feel encouraged. But is it a specific word, or is it like, or is that like a umbrella it's term just word. for? Word. <laughs> no. Is no, it? Yeah, I think in my experience, you know, we all have limited experience. Except some people have infinite experience. I just have limited. But that that's it. It's like when someone feels encouraged. I'm talking about in the body of Christ, in the body of Messiah. You know, if someone encourages another person, I've heard it in that context. Thanks for that word. Is it in other more, words, they're feeling encouraged, they're feeling edified through some sort of scriptural reference that you share with them. Is it more a charismatic thing, or is it just general Christianity? And like over, Because I went to a non-denominational Christian church, and uh, nobody ever said that to me. I didn't get that until I was like you know, 18, 19 years old out of the, the Christian church I grew up in. Well, yeah, it's it's probably a what neighbor depends on what neighborhood you're in, man. Like, you know what I mean, like spiritual neighborhood that is. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Um so should we just move on, I guess? Move on to our topic? Okay, let's do it. Moveon.org. Okay, let me read uh, a so actually the person who wrote us this uh this question. A great question by the way is actually in the chat room right now, and I'm going to butcher your name. I think it's Nathan A-L? Because it's spelled N-A-T-H-A-N-A-E-L. I'm sorry. I'm really bad at names. Anyway, he wrote us on Facebook. He says this. He says, I was listening to a teacher speak recently and heard him mentioning Ezekiel 28 as a description of the devil. I realize that this is pretty much an assumed teaching that the devil was the chief of the musicians in heaven, and one of the names he can be referred to as Lucifer. Now, I'm going to stop right there. I actually grew up thinking that. I don't know why I grew up thinking that, that, that Satan was the chief like musician in heaven, because I don't know if my church actually taught that. It might have just been. Uh, it might have just been one of my Sunday school teachers said something like that, or taught that maybe once, but it wasn't like sanctioned by the leaders. Because when when I asked my dad about that later on in life, he said, "What? No, we never taught that." Um, so I think it was a Sunday school teacher. Did you ever grow up, or did you? Was that ever in your theology, Rob? Thinking that Satan was the chief musician in heaven. I remember hearing it sometime, but not, I couldn't tell you if, it, if, I don't remember it ever being like preached as like the deal. So it was never like, th- I think, theology. I think when I, 
there was an association when and I was a teenager, they were talking about all these bands that were worshiping the devil. These that kids were listening to. Oh, like and Kiss, then, Knights in Satan's Service. Service, yeah. yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. And so they I think it was probably in that larger conversation where that idea was that the devil uses music because he was a musician or something. Hmm. And then there, of course there was Devil Went Down to Georgia. See, I grew, a, I grew up... Which I, was a song by... Uh, who's the guy who wrote that song? Yeah, he's a violin player. Charlie, Dan, Charlie Daniels Band. And uh, my older sister liked, liked that song, so I like memorized all the words to the song, and I would like rap it. <laughs> it's kind of like a country rap. But see, anyway... But, but, but I thought... I, uh, growing the devil up... Devil playing, uh, playing a fiddle. See, I, I, grew, I grew up thinking that... Uh, I don't know where I got this theology too. I think it was the Apocrypha. Honestly, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't Enoch say something about Satan's inner work? Like his inner organs are actually musical instruments. Am I wrong about that? Uh, I don't know about that. Okay, for some reason I got that into my head when I was a young kid, uh, and I don't know where that theology came from. But that was just something that must have. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so let's keep going with this email. Sorry. Sorry for the rabbit trail there, everyone. Okay, so uh, he, he, one of his names could be Lucifer is what uh, Nathaniel says. Nathaniel? Nathaniel? Uh, okay, Nathaniel? I don't, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for butchering your name. Um, so of later years, I've begun to question whether or not this doctrine was actually biblical. Uh, my main reason is that in the book of Revelation, there is no allusion to the passage in Ezekiel being connected to the enemy, whereas passages such as the ones in Breshit or Genesis, the old serpent, that dragon, and Job and Zechariah, the accuser of the brethren, etc. I want to know if there were were any biblical basis to the passage in Ezekiel 28 should be interpreted to referring to the Satan and not to the actual king of Tyre. Also, where and when did this interpretation originate and how did it end up being common knowledge in many believing circles? Great question. Um, I should say that um, angelology, demonology, uh, the study of angels and demons, the study of Satan and whatnot is an extremely fascinating uh, topic. I've only scratched the surface. And uh, actually, since we talked about uh, this, doing this topic today, we talked about it last Monday. I've actually dug quite deep. One thing I will say about this topic, you will find some very interesting things, not true things, but interesting things. Interesting, not like, hmm, interesting, but interesting like, ha ha, uh, interesting. On the internet, uh, especially YouTube, if you put in biblical Satan, <laughs> or if you put in just Satan. Uh, so, Yeah. Here's what I've learned about Satan in the past two days specifically is that we really don't have a whole lot. You have to kind of be a detective in this category. The reason why is because you only have little snippets here and there of the Bible talking about Satan. Uh, now, in the, in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, however you want to say it, uh, you don't have a whole lot of things when it comes to uh, the topic of Satan. You have uh, the Zechariah passage, which uh, which Jude alludes to. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, you have the Job passages, 
so there is the pa- there are passages that talk about Satan or the deceiver or however you want to say that. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't uh, the articles on Satan, right? The deceiver? D- Not always. But in those passages, in the Joe passage and the, Zach- and the Zechariah passage. I believe so in those. Yeah, I, 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 know, it's, have... I know it's in uh, Job, in the Job 1 passage. But it's not like in Numbers, like in the Balaam incident, people talk, oh, see, there's the angel of the Lord is, is Satan. And no, that's not, that's not true. Mm-hmm. The, word, the root is there, but it's not, it's not the definite article. You're talking about the Balaam oracle, right? Or the numbers two, 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 two. <laughs> okay. Hey, I'm just saying numbers <laughs> two, 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 two. Uh, so, um, yeah, because you have the the word the the root word two, two, three, two. The root word uh, Satan is in is in uh, numbers twenty two, right? It says the angel of the Lord dece- uh, came to deceive or something like that, right? He came- no, well, it, he stood le satan lo as a uh, an, as an adversary against him. So it's it, it's not ha satan. So there's like there's just a noun. Satan is is a noun, and then it can be ha satan is the accuser. Like the one, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all. So let's look at some passages here. Um, before we get to, well, should we do Ezekiel first since that's really what our friend uh, wrote in about here? Let's do sure. Ezekiel. Yeah, Ezekiel. Yeah, so the, the, the passage in question is Ezekiel 28, 12 through 18. Um, and Ezekiel's talking about, uh, he's talking about the king of Tyr. Um, you want, we should read this. Let's just read the whole thing. Okay, go for it. Okay, son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyr and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in, in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, and the onyx, and the, and the jasper, the lapis, the lazuli, the turquoise, and the emerald. And the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. And the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers and uh, who, I'm sorry, who covers and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence, and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that that they may see you. By the multitude of your iniquities and the unrighteousness of your trade, you profane the sanctuaries. Therefore, I have brought fire from the midst of you. It has consumed you, and I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you. That was the NASB translation. Okay, so first of all, here's what I'm going to say about this passage and also about the Isaiah passage. We'll read that in a few minutes as well. Um this happens in Scripture, okay? So, especially in Isaiah. Isaiah 7 is a perfect example. Isaiah is talking about a 
earthly king, okay, and woven into this uh, prophecy over the or uh, woven into this uh, what I guess prophecy over this over this earthly king is actually uh, it, what we call a telescope prophecy. So not only did it pertain to the king that was uh, that Isaiah was directly talking to, but it was actually a prophecy of the Messiah. Okay, uh, so we call this a telescoping prophecy. Uh, so this happens within biblical prophecy. It's not out of the realm to say, oh, okay, well, because uh, because Ezekiel's prophesying over the king of Tyre, that it couldn't mean something else. The problem that I have is that I, I feel, I feel like it's a little bit of a stretch to say that this is actually speaking about Satan. Yeah, I, I agree, Caleb. I mean, if you look back in Ezekiel 28... To that, because there's two, there's two different um, words that the Lord gives to Ezekiel for the the king of Tyre or the prince of Tyre. So twenty eight one is where it starts, but I guess it's twenty eight two. He says, "This is what the sovereign Lord says: Your heart is proud, and that you said, I am a god. I sit in the seat of gods in the heart of the seas." Yet you are a man and not a god, though you think you are godlike. So I think that that this is somehow has a message that it, the prophet had against Tyre and Sidon, who were these port cities, right, north of Israel. Because at the end of Ezekiel 28, it shifts and it says now to... Um, to uh, prophesy against Sidon in 28:21. So I think that we need to try to do our best to understand Ezekiel's situation. You know, I haven't done a thorough study of this, so but I did look. I I don't see any place in the gospels or the apostolic writings that cites this as talking about Satan. You know, maybe later in the the church fathers somewhere they do that. I didn't trace that, but I don't think I don't think they do that in the apostolic writings. Well, I think I think that Ezekiel here is using hyperbole a, a bit, and uh, so he says, uh, "You had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty." I think he's equating. Uh, tier, uh, Basically, he's saying uh, he equates Tyre or Tyr, whatever you want to say, with the with mankind in the in the garden. So I don't, th- you know, and this is where a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, uh, the king of Tyre or the king of Tyr was not in the garden with with uh, Adam and Eve. So it must have been the snake. It must have been Satan. Um, but I don't see that. In fact, what I see is that uh, that. Ezekiel is saying, you know, you were you were like everyone else. You, mankind came from the garden, and uh, man was perfect in and full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Uh, you know, you were in the garden of God, and uh, you know, then kind of builds up this image of mankind as a as a whole. You know, um, that, that's how I'm reading this. Uh, perfect workmanship. You know, your uh, your settings and sockets was in you. Um, so, and then you have, uh, you're an anointed cherub who covers over, you know, so you, you have Ezekiel painting this picture of this mighty, this mighty, uh, mankind. And then all of a sudden in the end, it's like, no, Tyre, 
I now I've taken you down. Mankind has been brought low, and uh, unrighteousness, unrighteousness now is found in mankind, and you're like the epitome of that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, think that that's a really you know plausible reading. I I think it's more difficult to justify the reading that insists. This is somehow divine, you know, revelation, insight into the origins of the devil. Well, we've talked before on this show about uh, the idea of pardes, and it seems to me that you would really have to go into a deeper meaning to try to get. I mean, with when in in Isaiah seven, it seems obvious that that he's not talking about uh, he's not talking about just the king. There's something else going on in Isaiah seven. In Ezekiel uh, twenty eight. I don't know. I don't think that, I mean, and to point your finger and say, oh, it's Satan. Is it just because of the reference in the, in, of the garden? Uh, so this is a book called Systematic Theology, Biblical, Historical, and Evangelical by uh, Garrett, published by Erd, Erdman's. Uh, I'm on page 374. This is what I got. Uh I'm going to butcher these names because everyone on this, everyone who listens to this show knows that I'm horrible with names. <laughs> Alagira, Alagiri, twelve sixty-five oh, to thirteen. Dante, okay, and Dante J- in the Divine the Divine Comedy. Okay, so um, so that was the, at the end of the uh, sorry, that was at the end of the last sentence. But John Calvin was very spe- uh, specific in his rejection of the satanic interpretation, hold, holding rather that the text allude to a human tyrant. The prevailing pattern among modern commentators on Isaiah, uh, and he lists a ton of them, Barnes, Dalich, Orelli, uh, the list goes on and on and on, Young, uh, Watts, has been to interpret the taunt to refer to the king of Babylon and not to mention or deal with Satan. Guardian cherub in Eden expelled from the mount of God and destroyed, Ezekiel 28, uh, 11 through 19. This passage constitutes a lament concerning the king of Tyre following prophecies against and another lament for Tyre. The one addressed in the lament is said to have been created by God to have been in the Garden of Eden, adorned with precious stones and anointed as a guardian cherub. But because of his pride and dishonest, uh, dishonest and violence, violence-ridden trade, he has been driven from the mount of God, consumed with fire, reduced to ashes, and brought to a horrible end, so that he will be no more. The overwhelming majority of modern commentators on Ezekiel, and he lists a slew of them, another ton of them, have interpreted the passage to refer to the king of Tyre, have often taken the paradise elements as portrayal of the king, and have made no mention of Satan in their comments on the passage. Certain recent interpreters, uh, and he says Tyler Clark Waver's Craigie have stressed the parallels between Adam and the king of Tyre, and they're uh, typifying the whole human story. But on the contrary, American dispensationalist commentators have had their own hermeneutic of Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19. And then he lists them, and Henry, uh, 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 sorry, someone else, understood the passage to refer to Satan, who is the power behind the throne of the uh, Tyrant king. I think it's interesting that he points the finger at the American dispensationalists. Uh, there's not much left. I'm going to read the rest of this. And who can hardly uh, be distinguished from the King of Tyre? Slightly different were the views of F.C. Jennings, Charles Lee Fenningbird. He lists a couple other. For Jennings, the King of Babylon was a representative of Lucifer, the true name of him who was later called Satan. 
Okay, so he goes on. Um, so basically, it seems to me that what uh, what he's saying is that what Garrett is saying is that the idea of Satan uh, of this passage being ab- specifically about Satan is actually not that uh, that popular among modern biblical scholars. And so it seems to me that, you know, he, he specifically points his finger at dispensational scholars. Now, I know that that's not, we can't just say that it's dispensational scholars who believe this. Surely not. Um, and our friend who actually wrote in uh, this email, he says in the chat room, perhaps the covering cherub could refer to Tyre's relationship with Israel during the days of Solomon. Being a nation that was allied uh, was Israel and was also located north of Judea. Interesting thought. Okay, so another, uh, let's move on. Anything, well, actually, let's not. Rob, anything else that you want to say about the Ezekiel passage? Well, I, I believe that, you know, the devil does work in the hearts of men to to stir them to, you know, rebellion against God. I mean, so there could be the fact of... of the devil's doing work in mankind, you know, um, that is behind the passage that we're looking at. Well, the other thing, I don't, I don't think he's, but it doesn't seem like it's talking about Satan. The other thing that we have to realize is this, is that God does use, uh, progressive revelation. Well, we know that because we have the apostolic scriptures, we have the new Testament, right? So, I've heard this said many, many different times. Everything that's stated in the Apostolic Scriptures of the New Testament was originally stated in the Torah or the Tanakh somewhere. I, I reject that. I don't. I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think that there are, you know, I think that there are things uh, in the in the Apostolic Scriptures that we don't have in the Tanakh, and the reason that they're valid is because of because of two reasons. Number one, they don't contradict the Tanakh in any way, shape, or form. And number two, because we have progressive revelation. So revelation that is, you know, progressive revelation cannot in any way contradict or negate revelation that came originally, that first revelation. But if it's from God, it will add to the already given revelation. So, and I believe we have a closed canon now, but that's neither here nor there. Okay, so all that to say this, in the first century... Uh, we have the apocryphal works now that have been written. And you have all this imagery of Satan, demons, all this different things. And it seems like, and we'll talk about this a little bit when we get to uh, some other apostolic passages, but it seems to me like you have some of the writers of the apostolic scriptures building off of some of the, some of the imagery that they've read in the apocryphal works. But they don't go full on into, you know, it's not like they adopted all of the, all of the uh, the theology from these apocryphal works by any stretch of the imagination, but they it does seem as though they were maybe influenced or whatnot from some of these works. That being the case, I can only assume that God allowed what was true from those works to make it into the apostolic scriptures. I don't have a problem with that. When we look at the apostolic scriptures, we certainly have a lot more uh, a lot more said about Satan and about uh, demons and those kind of things. Anything For to, example, yeah. Yeshua says he was a murderer from the beginning, right? Yeah. A murderer from the beginning. But I don't see in Ezekiel 28 that the big, dis, there's, 
nothing about murder specifically. We have the word Hamas in verse 16, violence. But it's but the emphasis is on uh, being overcome with pride of, of the person's own beauty and their trade. It has to it definitely makes sense that it's talking about the port city tire and you know all the the it was once beautiful right and it uh, is now going to be judged for its wickedness um yeah anyway we we don't have to keep Hitting on that. Okay, yeah. let's let's move on. We're going to move to Isaiah uh, fourteen twelve through seventeen. Now, um, I, this is uh, I have a sound clip because we were going to talk about the name Lucifer. Um, I'm about to have a daughter in in uh, in July, Lord willing, and uh, my wife and I have actually thought about the name uh, Luciana, which is also related to Lucifer. So why would I name my daughter such a thing? Um, so I'm not good with etymology of words, but you certainly are, Rob. But uh, we definitely have. Actually, I have a clip for this, too, um, just to set us up. And then you can either tear this apart or agree with this guy. I have a feeling it's going to go one of those two ways. Um, <laughs> in Isaiah 14, 12 through 17, I'll read the very first part of this and then we'll play the clip. Um, it says, how you are fallen from heaven and then some of your translations are going to say Lucifer of the dawn or Lucifer, uh, just Lucifer, um, how, are you, how you are cut down to the ground. Uh, this word Lucifer here, or this name Lucifer, that's what we're going to talk about for a few seconds. And let's actually get here into my clips. Pardon me while I pull this clip up. I actually don't remember this clip very well. I just thought that you would be able to shed light on this person's no, now you're going to have to pardon the, uh, the background music that this guy had in his. Okay, here you go. Here, here's the clip that I found online. Hey, what's up? I just want to show you that according to the Holy Bible, uh, Lucifer is not Satan. Lucifer is not the devil. Lucifer is in fact a title. That means light bearer, light bringer. And it is speaking about a man. It's used as an analogy because Lucifer is only mentioned one time in the entirety of the Bible. The word Lucifer is only used once. And when it's used, it's not speaking about the devil. Okay, so he says it is a word. It's a title. It means light bearer. And he says it's only used one time in the entirety of the Bible. One time. One time. All right. You know what? School us. He's wrong. Okay, school us, Rob. I had a feeling he was wrong. <laughs> Who want, who's everybody got their schooling hats on? <laughs> oh man, I wish I had a sound clip for that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Lucifer comes. It might be used once in like the King James or something. So if you're a KJV only. But basically, Lucifer is Latin, right? Mm. Someone posted they're correct. It means light bearer. Lucy, it's from Luce and Ofer. Uh, bearer of light and it occurs three times in the Latin Vulgate so the Lucifer the main one is Isaiah fourteen twelve, and it translates 
uh, the Hebrew word ben shachar. So son of light. Son of the morning. Oh, son of the morning. Hillel, actually, well, Hillel, shining one. Son of the morning, basically. So this, um, this word Hillel, shining one, becomes Lucifer in the Latin, because the Latin's just trying to translate it. And um, what, what we have there is like the person, whoever we were just talking about, or whoever just uh, recorded that post that we listened to, um, they're right. It's just a title. It's not a, it's, someone's being called that, but it's not, it's not in the Hebrew. In other words, it's not a Hebrew word. It's not a Greek word. The Greek uses heosphoros, which means the same thing, and lucifer in the Latin. Latin. Well, it occurs two other places. It occurs in Job chapter 11, and it translates the word boker, morning. So this idea of morning light is in both these situations. Ben Shachar is son of the dawn. So um, both Isaiah fourteen twelve and Job eleven seventeen have this idea of light in the morning, morning light. Guess what? It occurs in Second Peter one verse nineteen in the Vulgate also. Ooh, read so remember, it for the us. Latin Vulgate is where we get the word Lucifer in the first place. It doesn't it, it doesn't come on the scene until the Bible is translated into Latin. Well, in 2 Peter 1.19, it says, We have a prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Lucifer rises in your hearts. What? <laughs> Wait, hang on. Oh man, never mind. I was going to have a sound effect, but I, uh, I didn't. I was going to do this one again. this first of all that no prophecy of scripture. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I yeah. feel like I'm going to overplay that sound today because we're talking about Satan. So. <laughs> right. No. 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 So in 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 Second uh, Peter one verse nineteen in the Vulgate, it takes the Greek word. Phosphoros, which means morning starts, where we get phosphorus, the, the metal that burns really, really brightly, like, you know, phosphorus. I think it's good for you, too, to have a little bit of phosphorus in your system. Is In the Latin is Lucifer. And this is a positive thing, because Peter's writing saying, you'll do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place till the day dawns and Lucifer rises in your hearts. This is He's not saying the devil... He's talking about He's not Yeshua, saying the prophetic he? word is confirmed by the devil rising up in your hearts. He's talking about that this is the word of prophecy is like a lamp shining in a dark place. So I think this idea of Lucifer, because, you know, remember a couple months ago we did a show on the Nephilim, and there was a guy, I don't remember his name, who we played interview. He was on That Sensational, 
or no, that's <laughs> that's supernatural. That's sensational. Oh my <laughs> word, that's what I'm gonna start calling it. <laughs> no, you remember the guy? Do you know the guy I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, I know who he you're talking talks about. Like this. Yeah. Anyway, he has a guy on the table who'd written some books about the Nephilim and all this stuff and the the Giborim. <laughs> remember? The yeah, Giborim, yeah, yeah. The mighty ones and the hybridity and all this kind of stuff and mixed uh mixed gene pool and stuff like that. Well, he somewhere when I was reading all that, he there's this talk about the Lucifer project. And they have this conspiracy about there's this thing called the Lucifer project and they're worshiping the devil. And it's like, you know, no one bothered to actually go back and see, oh, you know, <laughs> Lucifer, it has in Second Peter uh, 119, it has a positive meaning in the Vulgate. So I agree with the audio clip that, at least in that point, in that point that we need to kind of step away from from this idea of Lucifer being in the ancient world anyway a title for satan um it it just doesn't hold water now i know in our common you know language in english today people think of lucifer as the devil and that's under you know uh that's understandable but that's we're interested in how what words meant back then is is our interest because that's where we want to anchor our thought uh, j- j- for those who are watching the video of this on YouTube after, you know, when it's not live, I apologize for all of the camera work that I've been doing. I opened a window next to me cause it's so hot in my office. And, uh, so now you can probably hear the plane outside everyone. And also the light just came pouring in like, like a shining morning star. <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, let's read this passage in Isaiah. We haven't gotten nearly as far as I thought we were going to at 41 minutes in, but that's okay. That's not a problem at all. So Isaiah 14, 12 through 17. Once again, and I'm going to, I'll, I'll spoiler alert right here. Okay. Uh, I actually think that this is also a stretch to kind of attribute to Satan. However, everyone does. Okay. I should never say everyone. A lot of people do attribute this to Satan. So this is uh, Isaiah fourteen twelve through seventeen. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, or that's what we, the word we just talked about, O Lucifer, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol. To the far reaches of the pit, those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities, who did not let his prisoners go home? Um, that was the ESV version. I, uh, I think, okay, so this whole passage in, in, uh, in uh, the end of Isaiah 13 and then into 14 He's talking about Babylon. He's talking about the the nation of Babylon, and you know, Babylon was basically ruling the known world at the time, and was not very nice to people, to be honest. And so, uh, I think that what he's saying here is uh, that Babylon was basically seen as this rising star that took over the world, reached to every far end of the world, and. Uh, 
you you know you said in your heart i will ascend to heaven in other words i'll be above everything above the stars of god i will sit uh, i will set my throne on high so this is i mean in me, in my ears it sounds just like exactly what ba- babylon thought of themselves we're this great nation but in the end god's going to th- throw them down to sheol to the pit uh what do you think rob you know it, i don't know i really don't know i mean that's the that's the truth. Well, okay. So I, I the, think I think that it's talking about a man. It said it's talking about a man. It's, it's talking about Babylon. I think leader, actually, in this yeah, one. Babylon, the king of Babylon, and ultimately, could can someone look back and and draw on these prophecies and say these this is the judgment that Satan's going to uh, suffer? Yeah, there's probably a lot of parallels there. But I, I just I'm not ready to go that step and say, oh, therefore he was in the you know he was in the Garden of Eden. That must mean it's talking about the devil, um, you know, or that you, you put yourself up above the stars of El. That's the devil trying to be like God. You know, there are some parallels. That's why people. That's why it's you know people. It's a there's enough connection for it to be believable. You know, by by people, but. Um, I just think I just think we need to be careful. I asked my I asked in the chat room today. Okay, and we'll talk now about where we actually do get some of the ideas of Satan uh, from from biblical texts. But uh, I asked today in the chat room if God creates e- or created or creates evil. The reason I did that was because um, we have passages in the apostolic scriptures, and everybody's going to go to the same passage for this. Is the passage in First Peter. Um, and let me read this real quick. So it seems one thing that it seems for sure to be is that angels and uh, demons had some form of choice or the ability to, to do wrong. And the reason we, uh, the, where we get this from is sec- it's second Peter, not first Peter, second Peter, uh, to four and to nine. So I, and I'll read this for God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of, of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. And then in the next few verses, he gives other analogies like that. And then in, uh, in verse nine, he says, then the Lord's, uh, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. But one of the analogies that, uh, that Peter uses here in four is that angels, you know, basically God didn't destroy angels when they sinned right away. Uh, and so it seems to me, and the other, this is why I asked if God could create evil is because, uh, God, if, if God can't create evil, then he couldn't have created, uh, uh, Satan and the demons evil, right? Looks like Rob is fully engrossed <laughs> in the uh, chat room. Come back Sorry. to me, man. Talk to me, not the stop. chat room. Stop talking to the chat room. I'm going to kick you out of the chat room if you don't quit talking to those people. You have a mic. You can just say what you want to say to them. You don't have to type it. <laughs> hey, I'm on a learning curve too here. I got to ma- I got to hold my horses. Got to manage my horses. My okay. Horses are getting out of line. So come back to me. One on one here, Rob. You and me, bud. We have the mics. So do Back you th- to who created evil? Well, yeah, well, here's the question. Did did God create evil? Is evil a creation? Is evil a created thing? Nowhere in 
Genesis 1, does it say, and God created evil, let there be evil, right? So we don't, we, we can't say that he created it that way. If God is infinitely, okay, but now we're getting, now we're getting into. But however, he did create the tree, it says, of the knowledge of tovera, tovera, good and evil, was the tree that he planted in the garden. And he had it there on purpose. See, but it seems like to it me... It had a function. It seems to me by at this point, the angels have already sinned. They've already gone... Some angels have already gone against God. By the time the gardens... Yeah, planted. because... And the reason that you have... Uh, the reason I think that is because you have in Job... What's the passage in Job? Hang on, let's find it real quick. Um, pardon me while I find this. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Job 38, 4 through 7, he says, uh, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined the, its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Right? So I take yep. I take sons of God there and uh, morning stars to be angels. What else would they be? What else would it be? But here's the point. Okay, here's my point with all this. Okay, John, First uh, John. I, we're basically we've turned this show today into a Bible study or a bi, you know we're looking at different scriptures instead of playing clips. So uh, if you don't like this format, I'm sorry. Um. So John one, uh, 1 John 1, 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If God is infinitely holy, then how can he create unholiness? Right? I mean, th- th- this seems like systematic theology 101 to me. If he's infinitely holy, then how, and if there's no darkness whatsoever in him, then how can he create the darkness? It seems to me that what he had to do was create things that were holy, that had the ability to, and uh, this is all theory now, I mean, but it seems to me that from my limited understanding and my, the way my brain works is that God had to create things that were, uh, that were holy and but give them the ability to have will I'm not going to say free will but have will and to make choices those and and uh, through that is how it's the it's the beings that it's the other beings that he created that have brought sin and evil into the world are you following me Rob yep yep I'm following you you, you you hearing what I'm laying down? I think <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> I think that there, like someone put, Ariel posted Isaiah 45, 7. Yotzer or, right? Former of light, creator of darkness, Ose Shalom, uvore Ra. Maker of Shalom, creator of Ra. Ani Adonai, Ose Kol Ele. I am Hashem, maker who makes all these things, maker of these things. So some people are saying, well, it's darkness is not evil, and Ra might be calamity instead of evil. That's fine. But it's but Ra, but now we're saying, well, then what is Tov? Did God create Tov? 
Yeah, but you would have right? it, did God or did God look at what He created and He said it said He saw it kitov. He saw that it was good. So good is something that God calls His creation, and evil is a judgment that God makes. Ladies so and gentlemen, good and evil are are defined by God's God's righteousness, God's zedek, by God's scales in terms of uh, his weighing out a matter. He hears a matter fully, and he will judge who is righteous and who is wicked. And it's in a courtroom scenario. I mean, that's the closest we can think of. It's like a courtroom, and God is a judge. But well, Yeshua uh, oh, is the judge. Okay, right? I, Yeshua is the judge of the living and the dead. And that somehow there are going to be people that are judged wicked, and they're going to pay for that wickedness. Does that mean God created the wickedness for them to do? You know, this is a mystery. Ah, wait, hang on. I don't think it's a mystery. And that means that we have a disagreement. Put the boxing gloves on. All right, go. Okay. We have to take into consideration the rest of Scripture, though. You can't just say, oh, well, did God create evil? Well, we'll, we'll never know. Well, we do know because we have other scriptures. Look at look at uh, James one, uh, James one thirteen. Let no one say when he is tempted, "I am being tempted by God," for God cannot be te- be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. If God tempts no one, and if sin is considered evil, if God brought sin into the world, that's like bringing uh, a bottle of vodka into an Alcoholics Anonymous uh, group and plopping it in the middle of the table. The scripture itself says that God tempts no one. It also says in 1 John that there's no darkness in him. So if he tempts no one, then then he couldn't have brought sin into the world, right? Boom. Counter he created, that. He created the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But was that tempting? No. Well, he told him, he said, it's like putting something in front of kids and saying, don't touch that or don't look at it. Don't look at that. I mean, can, wouldn't your argument... You, doesn't your argument conflict with that picture? I wish I wish we had a, I wish we had the ability to go to commercial right now. I'd bring my dad into this office and sit him down, and we we would all have a good discussion. Uh, you know, I I think that uh, I think that you're right. I think that that. Uh, but okay, then how do you reconcile what James good says? Good and evil, in terms of if to have any meaning at all for the people who are in Messiah, are determined by Messiah Yeshua. Absolutely. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. That he's the ju- that that good and evil are defined, and that they're going to that Yeshua's judgment is in alignment with the Torah of God. Mm-hmm. Do we agree on that? Yeah. So I don't. I don't. I guess I'm not seeing it as a created thing. I mean, yes, we we have the passage from Isaiah 45. I, I create light. I create darkness. So that well, I create evil. Let me and see. People want to say, "Well, that's calamity." Well, God curses those who curse His children. But let I me. Mean, so God, God is God is respond and takes responsibility for meeting out just punishment to the wicked. But that's not evil. That's not evil. Okay, no, I, I know. I'm so. What I'm saying is that though, good and evil ultimately are going to be sentences. They're or, or verdicts. Rather, they're going to be verdicts. And this is okay. What the, the the reason that this whole uh, this whole conversation would be extremely important in the it's like whole. Like when the guy says, "You should a good master, good teacher, or good rabbi." And what does Yeshua says? Why do you call me good? 
One is good, God. Because the guy was trying to butter him up a little. But the question, uh, here's, here's the issue, though. Because we've got to define both. We, we can't just think about was, where evil came from. We've got to think about good. Was the... <laughs> we should change the title of this show from Rob and Caleb to Rob versus Caleb. Uh, yeah, today. Here's, here's, the, here's the question, though. It could, did God create Satan or the adversary or whatever you want to say, evil, already fallen, the reason that the Christian doctrine is that is that uh, that Satan was originally good and it had to fall was because the idea is is that the theology is is that God could not have created him evil. That's why you have the the idea of the fall of Satan and the angels. Of course, you have the Revelation passage too. Let's get to it. Um, yeah, all these all these you know all those stories from the Second Temple period. They're trying to explain the same problem. Yeah, but they're all taking a different view than you, that God could not have created uh, Satan as uh, evil, inherently evil from the beginning. He had to create him good, and Satan on his own, on his own, I'm but a, are I'm they a getting Calvinist. That from but, scripture, or are they getting that because they're trying to create a story that they can get their head around about a question that is very, very difficult? I'm saying that I think that the scripture clearly tells us that God could not have created evil. Man had to create evil. Okay, but see, I, but Isaiah, Boreira, creator, creating evil. Yeah, but Crea- but I take Ra there to mean calamity. Look, okay, wait, so, when, but, when wait, an earthquake when an earthquake happens, is is that is that evil okay, or so is give it? Give me a place in Scripture. Give me a place in Tanakh where Ra means evil the way you want it to mean. It's or why even we talk about the Hebrew word Ra then? Where where in the Bible does that does the evil that you're talking about? exist oh no, see now i gotta go find it can you show me is there a place where you is it tree of knowledge of good and evil or is it the tree of knowledge of good things and calamity calamity things well i would say okay first of all no, be, I, I, I grant you that raw can mean different things i'm not saying that it has to always mean exactly the same thing because words have different semantic ranges but what i'd like to see is a place where raw is used in the bible in the meaning of evil that you have and what and I would like, what is, I'd like to, or is there another word in Hebrew? What I would like to see is how like. how are you going to to uh, reconcile if you're taking the word "ra" to mean evil? Then how are you going to reconcile that with the apostolic scriptures that I've already given you? Tell it's me how. Tell me how people. James. Tell me he how doesn't he, tempt people. Exactly. So are you saying that it's God? It's not God's will that people should sin. So you're telling me that God. It's cre- not His will. It's it's not God's will that that. Souls will perish. That, well, that souls will sin and perish. That's not his desire. If it's God's not his desire, is that souls live. Well, if that's it's not, why he breathed in Genesis two. He breathed the breath of life. Into if it's them not his become. desire, then why would he create Satan evil? That sure, sure seems like he's he's trying to uh, to to make some people evil and fall. Right? Why did Cain kill Abel? Because he's human. God's not human. Right? Did did Cain did Cain kill killing Abel have anything to do with the devil? I think that Cain killing Abel had to do with the fall of man. It had to do with sin. He says your father was a murderer. His his father was a murderer from the beginning. Okay. There's a there's a one of the midrash uh, is that Cain's father was literally Samael. Was a fallen angel. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that this morning. I mean, there's there's crazy stuff out there. Yeah, but is that late? I mean, what do you yeah, think? It's late. Yeah, it's late. The Talmud, the the Babylonian Talmud says that the the uh, Satan, the evil inclination, and the angel of death are all the same thing. Okay, yeah, but my point is, is that let's go back to the Torah. Let's go back to the apostolic scriptures. Let's go back to scripture instead of midrash and instead of instead of rabbinical ideas. If we take the 66 books as as, as uh, scripture, we have to look at all of it as a whole. We can't just say, oh, well, uh, you know, this word means this, so it must it has to mean this. We have to take all of it and look at it together, right? The way that I'm trying to reconcile now, I'm not saying that I, I'm, look, your your language skills are far superior to, to mine. That's why I'm taking Greek from you. But the point is, is that I, I'm I'm failing to see how you would reconcile uh, the first John passage and the James passage with the idea of he creates good and evil. If evil means evil. The way that I'm trying to reconcile it is by saying that evil means calamity. God allows and creates calamity. And he does that for numerous reasons. No. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, we're kind of uh, we're kind of stuck in, unless we can find a place in Scripture where we have a a word that means what you say, what you're wanting evil to me. All right, because I, I I don't know what we're I I don't know what homework I got homework. We're, we're, I mean, I understand that about temptation. Yeah, I don't think God tempts people. I mean, I, that's what James says, that men are tempted by their own, by the fallen nature. Okay, let's get back that, to... That, right? I mean, that they get their eyes on the things of the earth. That's why, we need, that's why we need salvation. That's what we're saved from. We're saved from that by, by Yeshua, who is the true righteous one. Um. It seems he, sa- he says that their thoughts of their hearts are only evil continually. Whose, though? That's not God. No, that's what God says about the, the mankind. Exactly. Okay, so I, I don't have a problem saying that, that mankind is evil. We're evil because we... Be- so evil is not a thing. Evil is just the inclination of his thoughts of his heart are, are, are not according to God's kingdom. They're not... It's, it's they're not seeking his his righteousness. They're seeking their own gain. They're trying to they're basically have become kind of like animals in terms of pursuing their own lusts and the desires of their heart. Um, and and that's a that ju- the judgment is called evil. That that is all of that is called evil. But I think evil itself is a, in the idea that we're talking is like an abstract word. It's not a it's not a thing that exists. It is because evil would be any, you break any of the commandments and that would be evil, right? Adultery. That is, that would be a, the judgment of that is that it is evil. Murder with the judgment is that it's evil, but, but it's evil certainly, is but, a blanket judgment that doesn't necessarily define the detail of, of the transgression of why there is separation from God's holiness. It's just as a general word used to like to put a blanket on it. See, I would say transgression is anything anything against the law of God. Right. And and any trans would any transgression be evil? Yeah, of course. Okay. So so evil is just like a general blanket term that 
doesn't it, it's an abstract uh, noun it doesn't uh, see but john seems to talk about evil in terms of adjective. darkness right he john seems to talk in first john he talks about he talks about uh sin or evil or however you want to say he talks about it as the darkness so he seems to put a a uh a concept uh, you know he he turns it into a finite concept doesn't he in john yeah in first john oh in first john yeah yeah and in, in the gospel of john one it says light shines in the darkness it uses the present tense verb continual but the darkness did not comprehend it. The dark, so you have light and darkness contrasted, and you have shining, and then a lack on the the side of darkness, the inability to understand. Doesn't know, does because there's no light there. All right, I got homework for for so next absence week. Of light. Next week, uh, next week I will bring the uh, I'll bring the the scripture that I find or the lack thereof. Okay, let's get back to the scripture and what we think we know about Satan. Uh, so in Revelation twelve one through ten, and this is actually an inter- a very interesting passage. Uh, at least I find it extremely interesting. People are going to take this and say that this was describing the war that happened before mankind was around. Okay, so this is what it says. This is Revelation 12, 1 through 10. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, that's S-U-N, with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars and this is where of heaven and cast them to the earth this is where uh many christians get the uh the belief that uh satan took one third of the angels with him uh was that that sweeping the stars one third of the stars down to earth and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child he might devour it she gave birth to a male child one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. So we, uh, it seems as though we know who that is. Who is supposed to ro- rule the nations with a rod of iron? Yeshua. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. So it seems as though the one who's going to rule with a rod of iron is Yeshua. Okay, And uh, so it seems past time. Seems like pastime. Uh, now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. So now Christian theology, m- many Christians uh, would take the theology that this is now, we're back before the beginning of, of the world. Uh, so uh, Michael is fighting against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down on the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of of his Messiah have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. He accuses them day and night before our God. So this is where you actually get 
a significant amount of the theology that's based around Satan and the uh, the war of the angels uh, in in heaven before mankind was around. Uh, what do you think, Rob? Yeah, I agree. I think that, but at the same time, we're talking about these apocalyptic visions that are that evoke all sorts of imagery and feelings um, and a sense of ultimate judgment. And it's, you know, I, I'm not an expert in apocalypse in explaining or trying to make sense of the apocalyptic. Well, and I agree with you on that. That's one of the things that I, that I have a problem with is that, uh, yeah, it seems like you could definitely get the theology out of uh, this passage in revelation that uh, many Christians are getting out of this passage. But the problem is, is that, in my opinion, Revelation is so hard to understand that we don't know. It could mean that. It could mean something completely different. It's very vague in my, you know, agreed. I think that, you know, nowhere is, we need to go back to for a second. Okay. Is, is the the classic passages that we looked at, mm-hmm. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. Mm-hmm. These are really the only places, right, where, where the notion of Satan being created a good being who rebels. Is that right? Well, the, yeah, I would say the other two passages, the other two main passages where you have I mean, we have, Satan being talked about, you have in Job and you have in Job, Zach- Zachariah. Job, it's like it's already, Job, it just says the sons of God were there and Satan too. And God says, well, have you considered my servant Job, right? And yeah. that, so that's already happened there. But we don't know, Job, the book of Job doesn't say anything about how Satan became Satan, right? And, and Correct, yes. Zechariah, the same thing. Okay. We just, he's just there. We don't know where he came from. So, People look to Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 to try to fill in, to try to connect some dots, right? Well, I think, I think they're also looking towards the apostolic scriptures. In terms of Tanakh, that's where they're looking. But I think you have the majority of the, of the uh, texts about, about the evil one or about Satan or the dragon or whatever you want to say. The but, ma- it never, but yes, but does it ever talk about where he came from? In the apostolic writings. Well, in, in Job, you have, I mean, with the passage we already read, read in Job, you, it seems as though the sons of God are, are there when God creates the heavens and the earth. So it seems as though they've already been created, whether, uh, but not necessarily good or evil. I, I give you that for sure. So is Satan designed by God to, to serve as a, a, a function Will, will Satan be involved in in the punishment of the wicked? Well, he's the accuser, right? So, right, he's the, he says he's the accuser of the brethren, but does he also accuse unbelievers? In other words, let from the, from the devil's perspective, let's say his mission is to fill hell with souls. So he want he wants to tempt people. So he wants people to reject God, right? 
Correct. So he goes about and does whatever he can to get people to reject God. Then on Judgment Day, he can say, see, I got this guy that this guy rejected you. Okay. Right? Is he, an, is he accusing those unbelievers even as much as he wants to accuse those who are in Messiah? Sure. Yeah. So he's not just the accuser of the brethren. He is the accuser of the brethren, but he's also accuser of, like, the accuser. Well, where's so the, the difference? So the difference then is that those in Messiah have an advocate, right? Correct. Absolutely. We have an advocate who paid for our sin and washed us, and that we are now his resurrection life is our life. So Satan has no claim on our souls. Mm-hmm. He has no claim on us. Mm-hmm. I'm with Le- you. That's a legal fact, a Absolutely. legal fact in, a, in God's court. But then that we must be able to say then that also there are souls that Satan does have claim on in Judgment Day. Yeah. That his, his accusation will stick. Absolutely. So is that not a functioning in God's system. If Satan assists in the uh, bringing accusation against unbelievers, does that serve God's truth? Okay, I'm with you, but the point. But then we now we're getting into now we're getting into Calvinism. Calvinism. Uh, the question is, is how much do we have? I mean, is every single thing already ordained by God in terms of, and I, I know the answer is yes, but is there any ability to have will? Not free will. I'm not saying free will, but is there any ability to have will at all? Because what I would say is that it, it seems as though God sets up the ability for uh I mean, he knows the beginning at the end, or the end at the beginning, uh, you know, all these things. But is it just that God has written a script and he's set up these uh, robots to make the to play out the script exactly how he's written it? Because to me, the the idea is is that I get what you're saying, and not only that, but I would also agree with you that the, that the idea, the theology of Satan and of evil spirits is so so very vague i would say that we don't know we don't we don't have you know the scripture doesn't give us a clear understanding and i that's kind of where i i have to end up that's why someone posted earlier you know i'm not going to fall on the sword for it is because i i just you know there's a lot of this stuff i don't know i, I so I, I i'm not going to try to make up something just for the sake of avoiding the discomfort you know of saying i don't know but it's it's important to talk about. It doesn't mean we shouldn't discuss it. It's certainly worthy to discuss. Absolutely. Okay, we have one more passage here that I want to touch on because I think that this is uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, Jude. I think that Jude really enjoyed the apocryphal writings. Um. Well, let's just read it. Jude six through nine. And angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode. He has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire, 
Yet in the same way, these men also, by dreaming to file the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic ma- majesties. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. That's a quotation from Zechariah uh, 1-2. So the, the passage in Zechariah, uh, I'm sorry, Zechariah 3, 1 through 2. Uh, the passage there says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Which is part of our liturgy in the morning prayers. Actually, no, not the morning prayers. It's in uh, the prayer before retiring at night. Anyway, so this right here says to me that uh, the Jude passage might be somewhat of an answer to your question. It does seem like the angels were created good and then had the ability to do evil. Because it says, And the angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept them in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah, blah, blah, blah. Since they, in the same way as these, indulge in gross immorality and went after strange flesh. So how, how do we understand Satan being there at, to accuse Joshua, the priest? That I don't know. And why is he, why is he walking around with the sons of God? Or, you know, why does he come before the Lord? Why does he have access? Well, and that, that, you bring up a great question because in Job 1, where is it? Why does he have access to the presence of God? Unless he's like a dog on a chain. I heard someone put it that way once. Where's the Job passage? Is that Job 2? I think it's Job 1. or Job 1. It says that the sons of God were like going around on the earth and they decided to, where is it? I have it up here somewhere. Hang on just a sec. Here it is, 1, 6 through 7. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about the earth and walking around on it. <laughs> I don't know why, but I really... I, that whole passage right in there, I'm, I'm actually reading Job in my, in my personal uh, reading time. Job's got some great... Some great little passages, of course it does, but I, I mean, it's a very difficult Hebrew as well, but um, yeah, like, oh, I was just out, hang, out, you know, here and there, I was out, got a bite to eat at Mickey D's, you know, now I just came here, whatever. But I mean, what's going on? It seems like you have like this, this meeting where it's like once a year, you got to come back to home base and report to me what you're up to. Right. So, and then he's awaiting the judgment. <clears throat> so, in other words, in these situations, he hasn't received his own judgment yet. Right? Is that kind of the idea? I don't know what the idea is in here. Uh, I mean, good question. I, it, the uh, the apostolic scriptures tell us that the that the lake of fire was created for Satan and his and his minions and his angels. <clears throat> Pardon me. So we have uh, we have the idea that hell or whatever you want to say the lake of fire is actually created for Satan and it just seems like uh, you know that's where the lost souls or the souls that uh, you know are going to go with him. But it was originally created for him for his judgment. Good questions. I don't know. It's uh, it's an enigma. 
wrapped in a wrapped in a paradox. Caleb eats at Mickey D's. I thought he was a vegetarian. I'm not a vegetarian. I'm a pescatarian. There's a difference. Uh, but yes, I don't eat at Mickey D's. I eat French fries at Mickey D's every once in a while. Um, yeah, this is, uh, you know, let's see. You know, it's a lot of this is just we have to guess. You know, you bring up some really good points, Rob. We might uh, we might disagree a little bit, but uh, you bring up some very good points. With this whole thing, though, it's like, you know, who knows? Who, who, can, uh, who really has a definitive answer? And on the twist of a word, everything changes. Um, so the, back to the big picture. Does God create evil? Yeah. Well, it, I, I think it's a trick question. Until we, unless we can find a word in the Bible, evil, uh, you know, like an example in the Bible of evil and saying, did God create that as, as if we're an object? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do know what you mean. Well, did I, God create good, or did God create yeah, the yeah, world? Yeah, yes, of course. And then look at wait, it. Wait, wait, hang say on, hang on. Let's go. Good. Let's go back to that because yeah, See, I don't think I don't think you could say God created good. I think you could because, because he he created things re- in his it, own image. Yes, but that's what came first. Good is just is the adjective he uses to describe it. In other words, he created it first as it was, and then he looks at it and says, he looked at it and he saw it as good. It's something to do with his eyes. It says, and he saw Kitov, that it was good. And then he made, you know, and he continues on with his creation, and he saw that it was good. He didn't create it. He didn't, it's not like he, he didn't create good in the same way that he created man or that he said let there be you know fish in the sea and you know or let there be light he but, didn't create good and but, it, we don't have a verse but it, he looks back on what he did create and says and sees it so good in yeah, but there genesis wasn't, but there one was, but, is the perspective of god standing back looking at his own handiwork and then calling it something but hang on just a second there was no evil in the world at that point god man is the person who brings evil into the world right no, because in in the tree, there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil, Tov Vera, and that's the, that's where we first see Ra is in contrast with Tov, Tov Vera, Tov Vera, Tov Vera, and then the next, the only time we see Ra all by itself is in Genesis six five. What's the sign? What's the symbol of? Kol Yetzer Every inclination of the thoughts of his heart is only evil. All day long. But what's the what? What is the sign that we that we have evil in the world? Well, there's sin. Yeah, but but what's the yeah? Okay, so so what's the the sign that we have? How do we know that there's sin in the world right now? But we can't just say there's evil in the world. How, but how do we, stop hang on, there? Hang we on. have to hang how on. Do we, what? How do how do we know that there's evil in the world that, or that there's sin in the world today? How do we know that there's sin in the world? Because there's death. Exactly. So when did death enter the world? Death entered through sin. Okay, and when did yeah, and when did that happen? And God would look at that and call that not good. He would not call it good. He would call that evil. That is, that is, it, it's an evil thing that it, that has transpired. But you have a defining point, right? There is a defining point within the scripture. Evil Be- in Genesis six five is an adjective. 
Okay, but but the it's po- the yetzer. It's the it's the inclination of his heart is evil. It's not that man is evil. It's the inclination of his heart is only evil all day long. So it's an it's an adjective describing man's heart. So in that sense, I would say God did not create evil. He created man's heart. But did he create man's heart to be evil? And maybe this gets back to what you were saying, that he created a heart that had the capacity for evil. See, I, I, I think you're, you're still glossing over one of the main points. You don't have death in the world until, until Adam and Eve fall. They, they eat, but what is their, they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good. They, they transgress a commandment. Yeah, and that's what brings that's what is evil. That's what brings that's what brings unholiness into the world. That's but how you, you get think, death. Don't you think that? Yes. Don't you think that the transgression though because it is specifically eating of the tree of the knowledge of tov vera that 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 that, that is too part of understanding the the transgression and the death that comes after it? Actually, you know what, Rob? I'll throw a wrench in my own spokes here because uh, if the if the Christian belief that that uh, Satan and the angels that followed him and eventually became demons, if the Christian belief is actually that Satan had already fallen before the the uh, the sin of eating the fruit in the garden, then there already was evil and there already was sin in the world because we'll get right. Yeah. Genesis 2.9, the Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow from the soil. This is before the fall. Every tree that was pleasing to look at, that's kol eitz nechmad, lemare, nechmad, pleasant to look at, and good for food. Vetov lemaachal. Tov. So here the, we have good and nech, tov and nechmad, pleasant, are used in parallel to describe eating and seeing Eitz hachayim betochagan and the tree of life. The eitz hadaat tov So the knowledge of good and evil, the tree existed before sin. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was already in the garden before the fall. That and the commandment was, "Don't eat that tree, and you guys will be fine." So, if we want to say, "Well, tov vera," what it why? Why is there evil? And that takes us, you know, we loop back to this idea of putting, is that like putting a plate of, you know, fresh out of the oven chocolate chip cookies on the table and saying, okay, kids, don't eat these cookies. Boy, don't they the, smell good. The, uh, the, uh, the chat room is blowing up. right. <laughs> it's just going off right now. Gary makes a really good point, though. He says, when you say already was evil in the world, I don't think that works. God created and called it good. He didn't call it raw. He called it good. Oh, I agree. That's right. Okay, so there was an evil in the world. So there was an evil in the world until the fall, right? So now we have a now we have another problem, which is what do we do with the angels? When did the angels fall? If the angels fell, and how many can we can stand on a pin? <laughs> uh, well, I, hey, look, uh, you know this is uh, this is all interesting and good, but the, I think the end all be all of it is that we simply don't know. I'm still going to disagree that uh, God create created uh, uh, evil. So, right, if we take Isaiah 45, okay, it's in contrast. We have light and darkness. We have shalom and ra. 
we'll say, okay, so maybe shalom and ra is a different word pair than tov and ra. Like shalom, peace, ra, like chaos or calamity or something. Anarchy. I would say that ra is an, you know, anarchy or something. But, but tov ra, that the tree of tov ra was there before the fall. Let's say that one more time. The tree of knowledge of good and okay, evil okay, okay, okay. was in the garden before the fall of man. But now you could say, so one option is, let's, let's assume for a minute that angels fell. Like, like, eight, like, let's just say, you know, like an angel, a cherub like Satan, created a chief musician or something, and he fell. Let's just assume that for a second. So that could happen either before the garden was planted and if so, maybe the tree of knowledge, good and evil, contains some of that knowledge. That's why it's knowledge, good and evil. Or it could happen after that tree was planted. Maybe God created the angels and like thought that it was gonna. Well, you, well, you know, he knew, he knows everything. But like they were intended to be like good. They were they were intended to, to fully function as the glorification of God. But then they screwed it up, and he was like, "Oh man, now I got to make humans." <laughs> okay uh enough uh, enough is enough uh thanks a lot for being with us guys we hope that you enjoyed it i think that uh i think that the chat room enjoyed it because <laughs> it's going off you guys can uh, join if you're not in the chat room right now you guys can always join the chat room and do that by going to uh, trradio.com then the brad the broadcast tab down to the rob and caleb show uh button and go from there you will see instructions from there and uh Hey, if you want to take Greek or another class from Rob Van Hoff, you should do so. Do it at Torah Resource Institute. You can do it online. That is where Rob is a teacher and a writer. Uh, you can come be a classmate with me in classes at Torah Resource Institute as well. Find tons of great writings and tons of great audio teachings along with video teachings at TorahResource.com. And hey, guess what, everyone? Just so everyone knows, it seems as though it seems as though we are going to be integrating all of our websites into one, so we are hoping to make it a lot easier for everyone to navigate around and to find stuff and to uh, do all that kind of good stuff. Um, yeah, good times. It's it's not very often that we uh, that we disagree on something, and man, I think it uh, what it brings a little brings a little fire. It's always good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know what we're talking about next week. We'll f- figure it out on uh, what next uh, next Monday. Send us ideas, though. Send us. Yeah, show one up. idea would be see if anybody could find a place where evil is in the Bible in the way that that we would ask. Did God create evil? Okay, send us or, your yeah. send send us your idea. Send us your ideas at uh, chag at torresource.com or rvanhoff at torresource.com. All we're trying to do is glorify our great God and Savior. Yeshua, the Messiah.